When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sissoko finally waited. Ericsson low. Great ball into the middle. What a save by Heaton. Tonight's Davison Sanchez. Lucas Moura. And belted into the net. Brilliant goal. On debut, Tunge Ondombele has scored the equaliser for Spurs. Lucas Moura clips it. Oh, great goal! Stephen Bergwijn has arrived in North London! That is absolutely incredible on debut! Aurier! What a finish for 3-2 from Serge Aurier! First time here to Son. Kane, good area for Spurs. And Kane's not afraid to shoot. Wow, what a goal, Harry Kane! That is exceptional! Try and place it. Wonderfully taken by Eric Lamella. Never afraid to take on a shot, and with good reason. Terra in the Burnley back line, and Son breaks forward. Oh, wow, what a run! Yemin Son from inside his own half has scored one of the best goals. Yo, people, of his and welcome back to another episode of the New Spurs Order podcast, which is a brother pod of the Touchline Fracker Media Group. Right? I'm on hosting duties this week. It's Tapping Tobes. Back from vacation, back from holiday, back to talk Spurs. And I've got my faithful and aggressive co-host, Yao. How you doing today, bro? AKA um, Scott Hall. What's good? What's I'm good? good? I'm good. Yeah. You know, you people sure? say I should be very happy. I'm like, bruv, take time in it. We'll see. Mm. Mm. Take time. Take your time with it. <laughs> take time. But listen... Spurs need to take time in this window. However, we've made two new signings. Um, if you live under a rock and you haven't heard, Tottenham have obviously closed in on a deal to sign James Madison for, um, a, I think it's around 40-odd million pounds. Um, and they've also seen Harry Winks um, closing on a move to go in the opposite direction for a fee reported to be around 12 million pounds. Tottenham have also signed Vicario, so we've made that deal permanent. For those who listened to our podcast last week, you would have heard Yao and um, Yao, aka Scott Hall, and Xpac, aka Owen, go into detail, um, a, a little bit of detail on um, uh, Vicario, just a bit about him and why that deal potentially was the why that deal was the option that Spurs took as opposed to uh, a David Raya as well, who's obviously still at Brentford, was our previous target um, in goal. We're also going to be talking about Pierre-Emil Hoybier's, um reported um, interest away from the club. Atletico Madrid are linked with Hoybier. We're going to be talking about that 70 million euro bid from Bayern Munich for Harry Kane. Um, and then we're just going to, talk a little bit about just some of the remaining sort of want-aways and castaways in our in our squad that we need to move on this summer but yeah um let's get straight into it and let's 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 obviously focus 
on the biggest deal we've done so far this summer, which is James Madison. 40 million pound deal, five-year contract. Uh, they, I think his salary is on around nine million quid a year. Um, yeah, 175 bags a week. Um, and this was a, a player that was basically Ange Postacoglu's number one target. We've been hearing that this, this is his number one target. It's a priority for him. And I'm not sure if you've watched James Madison's interview, but you could see... I've seen it. <laughs> yep, the interview was good as well. So talk to me, man. How do you feel about this deal? Um, obviously, we know that Spurs still have a lot of work to do, but let's just focus on this deal in isolation. What does this deal mean for you when when you're when you're thinking about Tottenham? Uh, this deal's been long, long time coming. You know, um, I think one of the things that, especially Spurs fans, I, I think we're going to talk a lot about you know our fan base uh, in today's um, episode, but a lot of Spurs fans have to come out and apologize immediately because the, you know there was fans that you know they could see you know some of the faults in a player like Ericsson but they don't they didn't really truly appreciate the player he was and what he gave us in the tenure that he was there i don't think they did i know i did yeah but i can't speak facts. yeah i don't know for for any other fan you speak for me as well you speak for me as well when it comes to ce23 put respect on that his guy. mother effing name. Even when even when he down tools, and he did down tools. You know, we're not going to sit here and lie for him. He did down tools because he wanted to leave. He'd had enough and all that kind of stuff. He, when he turned up in games and he was helping um, Mourinho out, because Mourinho knew he wanted to go. You know, Mourinho wasn't trying to, like, convince him to stay. He still would, you know, chip him with some in, very important assists and uh, crucial goals. I remember he scored a free kick. I think it was against Norwich. I might be Norwich. wrong with the team. Yeah. But, yeah. Or West Brom, one of those teams. But he sat the top bins when we had no right to even be in the game. Yeah. So we sold Ericsson and we just never replaced him. And I don't want people to turn around and be like, oh, Ndombele was Ericsson replacement. No, he wasn't. Ndombele was the Dembele replacement. Yeah. He was meant to be that um, press-resistant midfielder that could link play between the defence and, uh, you know, other midfielders or their attack. And then Dombele never turned out to be like that mm-hmm. for whatever reason it is. Yeah. So we get Madison, who is in the same ilk, maybe not ability-wise, because, you know, I, I rate Ericsson highly. Yeah. But he, Madison is quite high in terms of ability and output. Uh, that we've got a player that finally f- facilitates our team the same way Ericsson did. Yeah, and I feel like fans have a huge hypocrisy because you know they're they're gonna they're either gonna can him, you know, when he's down or when he's um you know not performing, or they're gonna overpraise him when he is performing because of the the length of time we've gone without having that kind of creativity in our team, which for me is ridiculous. Yeah, yes, we've needed this level of creativity this level of output in our team, this ability to link play from even just the midfield to the attacking third and link it well. We've needed that for a good couple of seasons. But let's not over-dramatise the fact that we've had a player like that before and, you know, certain fans did not respect what that player brought to the club. I've had fans multiple times say, oh, how many times has Ericsson lost the ball? I couldn't give a damn how many times Ericsson lost the ball, you know, because, you know, what he gave us on the other end of the pitch was 
second to none. And that's what Madison's going to be like. No, I agree. I agree. And I think it's interesting as well, because even in the Touchline FC chat, we obviously want to deal, once the deal was confirmed, we were having a discussion with some of the other um, fans across the club pods. And I think the, the, the decision, I mean, the opinion was unanimous that James Madison is a very good player, quality player, baller. But um, there was talk on what he might offer Spurs from a defensive point of view, which may not be that much, etc., etc. Et and they're not—they're not unfair criticisms to the to, to a certain extent, right? Um, I do think there is something in the fact that James Madison, even though he does work hard, even though he he isn't a complete slouch, he's not the strongest, right? He's not—he's not the most dogged defender off the ball. He's not as intense as others but like you said with all due respect you take the you take the bad with the good because the good in his case will outweigh the bad and you have to base it on what that player is coming to do for our team right yeah. we've spoken many many episodes i've lost count of the amount of times i've been saying this for two years three years four years we haven't replaced Ericsson. We need more creativity in the midfield. I don't want more functional players. We need someone at the top end of the pitch to make the difference and connect the midfield to the attack. So for me now, yes, okay, he may not be as he may not be as as physically imposing or as defensively astute as someone like a Bentoncourt or Basuma, but what he will offer us at the top end of the pitch is invaluable, right? When you look at his numbers, this season just gone past, just in the Premier League alone, 10 goals, 9 assists. The season before that, 12 goals, 8 assists, right? And even if you don't want to, even if you don't want to just focus on the, on the stats, you look at the eye test. His link play is excellent. Um, he's a good dribbler of the ball. He can use both feet, very comfortable, passing with his left foot, shooting with his left foot, set pieces, corners, Direct free kicks, indirect free kicks, he's there. When you look at his age, 26 years old, homegrown, right? So you're killing two birds with one stone. You're, we're making sure that we're bringing a player that, that is in line with the age policy that the club's trying to, trying to um, implement or have been trying to implement for the last two to three years. And he's homegrown, which ticks off a concern that we may, we, we may run, we, we could run into if we get back into Europe this upcoming season, right? So all of these things put together, you have, in my opinion, a fantastic signing. And when you look at the price as well, it's a godsend, to be honest, that Leicester got relegated because we were in for him last summer. I don't know why Conte said no to him. We had the, we had the same discussions this time last year and the pod was unanimous. Bring this guy to the club. He's a baller. We need him. Conte said no. Don't know why he did that, but... Conte's That's why he said no. <laughs> listen, we're, we're not going to get into Conte this discourse here, but listen, Conte didn't do himself any favours last season. However, James Madison, I think this is a fantastic signing for, for, for the club. And I think we finally have someone who, who just loves to be on the ball, right? Mm. In a midfield, in a midfield that has maybe, I would say, if I look at our midfield now, I think there's probably there's probably two to three players, I think, that want to receive the ball in pressurised situations and want to play with the ball in pressurised situations. Name them. Benton Cole, 
is one. I think he's one. I think Basuma, we've not seen it yet, but I think just the characteristic of his, I felt like he's someone that could that can do that. I remember when Basuma played against us at our ground. You get the ball to this guy who played at the six, can't really get the ball off him. FA Cup was the same, can't really get the ball off him. And I don't think he, the next player, I've said maybe two or three, the next player I was going to name was probably, and I know we haven't seen enough of him. I, in fact, I don't think I can make this statement, but I like the look of Pape Matissa on the ball. But then when I look at midfielders like Hoybier, he doesn't want the ball in, in pressurised situations. Skip doesn't want the ball in pressurised situations. And fundamentally, we don't have a midfielder we don't have a midfielder who wants the ball at the top end of the pitch to make the difference. And I think that's what James Madison is. That's literally the type of player he is. He wants to take risks. He literally said in his interview, I'm a player who loves taking risks. He wants to get the ball in dangerous situations, play in between the lines and cause as much problem for the team, as much as much problems for the teams that were playing. So for me, this is a fantastic signing, and we finally have someone since Christian Eriksen that just loves to create chances. He loves to create chances, and when you look at his numbers, I think, I think since since he came to the league, so he joined he joined Leicester in 2018. I remember it because that was the summer we were chasing Jack Grealish, and I remember that summer I was saying, "Why aren't we going for Madison? He cost 26 million. We should have gone for Madison, right?" Um, but since he came to the Premier League. I think he ranks third or fourth in most chances created. I think the, yeah, the, 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 two, yeah. the two players above him, Kevin De Bruyne, number one, Trent Alexander-Arnold, number two. You're in esteemed company. So we know at the very least, even if this guy is not at his best, even if he's smelling at the joint, at the, at the minimum, this guy is going to be able to create chances for Tottenham. So for me, that's a great signing. And then when you look at, obviously you can talk on, on the other way as well. When you look at um, what we've been able to manufacture as a result of Madison joining Spurs, Harry Winks going the other way. I mean, you, I know you're happy about that. You were, you, you were praising Jesus as soon as, as soon as you read the news, bro. I, I engineered the move. Listen, <laughs> hey, if people think I'm lying, you really did. Go listen to previous pods here. Yeah? So basically, like, I agree with everything you said on Madison. Um, there is one player, actually, that I do feel is not afraid of receiving the ball to feet. It's just everything he does when he's away from the ball. And that's Endon Burley. I don't think he's afraid of oh, receiving the ball. Oh, I didn't. Yeah, to be fair, um, I didn't include him. Yeah, he, he's um, there. But with, with this deal, I, I was actually thinking about it today. You know, obviously, it's been recorded as 40 million, probably plus add-ons, which will probably take it to, like, 45 or 50 million, whatever it is. Let's just say 45, because I don't actually imagine the add-ons to actually be that crazy, because I think Spurs probably engineered something quite um, special so that Leicester didn't have to pay much in the sell-on fees. Um, I think to Norwich, it might have been. might have been Norwich. I, I, I believe that there was in sell-on fees with the um, Madison deal anyway. So whatever Spurs engineered obviously worked in their favour. I think... There's two big things to note from this deal. And this is the first one. The first one's a shot. So anyone that's listening to this, um, you know, when, when the podcast comes out, understand that this is a direct insult to you. You Newcastle fans up north, yeah? Humble yourself. Humble yourself real quick. 
You're not from London. Yeah, there's nothing. There's nothing entertaining about being up in Newcastle and getting hammered on the weekend, bro. Yeah, you get slammed, you get slammed. All right, cool. You man, stay up there and do your magic. Because listen to what I'm saying out here. You've just made it into the Champions League. Yeah, you signed Tonali. Well done. Clap for yourself. Yeah, but you won in Madison. Let's be honest. You won in Madison, and you thought raw because we got Champions League and we seem to be on the up. And we pammed Spurs six one. They can't rival us. You're small boys in this team, yeah. Only, only the other big teams can talk to us. Only le- legitimately. I'm not even, I'm not even hyping. Only Liverpool, Chelsea, United, City, Arsenal can really talk to us. Everybody else, you're, you're scrapping. If we, if we come into the dance for a player that you're after, you're scrapping. You're not beating us like that. So you Newcastle you fans, make sure that this is a lesson well learned in life. You have to humble yourself and just wait and see if man's gonna really. Check up for four hours to, to hear fuck on the time is all mine or mine. Yeah, get out of here. And yeah. second of all, what makes this deal even special? And it's like a real coup de gras. We've replaced one of our homegrown spots. Yeah. After because we're about to lose one. Yeah, Winks is going for 10 million. I think it's 12 plus add-ons. That's daylight robbery. Yeah, there's no, <laughs> there's no way. We should be getting 12 million for have you seen what he's done <laughs> seasons? 12 million. <laughs> this is fraud. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Listen, Leicester, you're getting a fantastic championship level player. Yeah. So don't listen to what I'm saying about the peas. Don't worry about that. Yeah. You should run it back when you bounce back into the Premier League. But I personally said it's a great replacement for them. It's not a like-like replacement, but it's still a body in the midfield. Of Premier League experience that you know, you know, Winks is known for being progressive a bit. So it's not like you lose too much losing Madison. I think they still keep uh, Vardy. So, you know, they still got a quite decent core and should be able to bounce right back up. And at least they will have a Premier League or former Premier League experienced midfielder to replace Madison, um, who they've lost to us. You know, the deal works out. You know, us making making back what roughly call it 10 million, but it works out to us almost spending like 35 30 million on just Madison alone, which for me is a big save because there's areas that we need to fix. Fair, I think the Newcastle point, I'll be real. I've I thought Newcastle stood a good chance of getting James Madison um, this summer at our expense simply because I feel like they're on the up in terms of their project. Um, they've obviously got the Saudi money and they've got Champions League football at their disposal. So I thought all of these things put together, I thought they'd be able to pitch a a, a better proposition um, to Madison than Tottenham, right? I don't think Newcastle actually made a bid for James Madison this summer. I think there was reported interest. There was interest. There was definitely interest in yeah, summer, but I don't think they made it. Yeah, he might not be. I don't know. I don't know. But I think I, I promise you. I promise you now. They would have made a bid if he was interested. He wasn't interested. And you know, you know what I will say on this about the whole Newcastle thing. Yeah, they are under. I'm not going to sit here and say that they're not. They are definitely they've got, you know, big financial backing. You know, they bought Tonali, who I think is a decent, decent player to buy. You know, I don't know how he's going to convert to the Premier League, but I've always thought he was a decent, young, up and coming um, defensive midfielder, and. 
you know, they're trying to move in the right direction. But there has to be a massive caveat on what their season was. As good as it was, there has to be a massive caveat. Because United finished third. Arsenal finished second. City finished first. And the traditional other three teams that make that apparent top six finished, I think it was fifth, eighth, and 14th, respectively. That is Liverpool, Spurs, and Chelsea. I think Spurs alone had like 12 defeats. Liverpool, I think, roughly about nine. Chelsea, 13. The question you want to know is, if Newcastle are really in the mix, we're going to see it this season. This is the season in which we're going to see, yeah, you man are really up there with the so-called big six. Yeah, and I don't even like the term big six, as you know very well. But that you, we're gonna really see if you men are really up here or if you're just a flash in the pan. Yeah, because it's, 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 it's not easy. It's not easy. A lot of people, a lot of people sit on Tottenham. A lot of people sit on Tottenham. It's not it's easy. Not easy balancing, balancing Europe, um, fighting the big boys, even though your name is not traditionally as big, having to fight for the, for for players to come to your club instead of their club, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, whilst retaining your best players. Whilst trying to better, not even be as good as you were last year, trying to better what you were last year, despite not spending the same as the others. It's not easy. So we'll see what they can do, man. We'll see what they can do. But I think the key thing with James Madison, which I, I didn't like, was this notion that he he wouldn't want to come to Tottenham. I hated that notion. Yeah, why, wouldn't he, why wouldn't he want to come to Tottenham? No, no, no. no. Let, me, let me actually rephrase what I was going to say. Other fans from other clubs ran run some of the fan, most fantastic agendas I've ever seen in world football. Yeah, because really and truly, what what ends agendas is trophies, and consistently winning trophies. Yeah, there is there used to be a time where there was, regardless of all the money, there was no real allure of going to City, none. Then they won the Premier League. Now it's like oh, okay. We're going to the Premier League champions. Yeah. But correct me if I'm wrong. When they won the Premier League the first time, they didn't win it the following season. They didn't win it the following season. Man City, yeah? Yeah. The following season. Yeah, after the following season, Man United won it. Exactly. And then they won, they won it. The, Man City won it the season after. The season after. Yeah. So once City started getting rolling and started consistently winning trophies, now if City come in, it's Oh man, yeah. City go up against Arsenal for a player. Then people are like, "Wow, why would Declan Rice choose Arsenal over City?" Because trophies. That's legitimately it. That's why you know they bring up that nonsense, and rightfully so for Spurs. By the way, the question of why would you go to Spurs is an actual, bona fide, genuine question to ask, because this is a team. That's been to the dance multiple times and fallen by the wayside. But you know what changes that? Trophies. And just turning up in the big games. That's what changes that. We are quite fortunate that this is the first season in... I want to say a decade. 
maybe even longer. It might have been over a decade. This is the first season in probably 14, maybe 15 years that we have finished outside the top seven, top six, seven, because I know we finished um, seventh in Mourinho's first half season. But outside of that, we finished sixth in Mourinho's first half season and we finished we finished seventh in his second half season. There's the one you got sacked in. But you're right though. So yeah. so I think prior to that, so I think we finished we finished eighth in two in the 2008-2009 season. So yeah, um yeah, I think the, the, the Harry Redknapp first season. The Harry Redknapp first season, then the season the season before that we finished uh, we finished at eleventh or twelfth. So yeah. But then the season before that we finished sixth. The season before that we finished fifth. So um, yeah, we are right. we are notoriously yeah. If you're going by just league position in the Premier League, we are notoriously a top sixteen. Yeah, all of this notion of oh no, Spurs is, is a mid table team. You're you're eighth to to fourteenth. You're trying nonsense and you're just running a stupid agenda. Well, actually, you you go do your your actual mathematics. Go do your 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 mean your mean average, and you will find that we're actually a top sixteen. Where our problem is is that we've gone. In that time period, we've gone from the, the entire time that Enoch have been in control since 2001. We've been to arguably probably eight finals. We've won one trophy. We lost in early 2000s to Blackburn in the in the Worthington Cup final. We then won the Worthington Cup or Carabao or Carling Cup, whatever it was called back then, in 08. Then we lost. We then, it. We we then lost it the following year to United yeah. on penalties. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we 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 haven't been to an FA Cup final since ninety one, ninety one. And mind you, let me tell you this: what's more annoying about that is that we've been to a lot, and I mean a lot of semi finals. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the fact that we haven't even been to a final since ninety one is a farce. So when people ask that question, why would you go to Tottenham Hotspur? It holds a lot of weight. However, if you want to change this, you have to be actively moving forward. The club have messed up a lot in the in the previous three slash four seasons <laughs> after that Champions League final. The club have messed up a ridiculous amount. However, because of the money being generated from this stadium the concerts and all that kind of stuff, there is real potential of creating a very, very massive brand here in Tottenham Hotspurs and creating something that's monstrous for the future. It's not going to work if it's not managed well. It's not going to work if the managers that come in, whoever they are, are not backed with what they want and what they need to succeed. And that's always been Spurs' problem. So when people are like, well, why would Madison go to Spurs? Um, there's not really a big answer to that other than, oh, he can play, you know, with Harry Kane and, you know, the stadium and, you know, Spurs are trying to rebuild and all of that jazz, yeah? That's the only really things that you can land on. But where Spurs are very lucky and have been very lucky from pretty much their entire time period is that Spurs are a London-based club. And unless you are from Manchester, the rest of England can shut the bloody hell up because you're just not going to compete with London the way you want to. You have to. You can only be from two places to compete with London. Manchester, 
Liverpool. That is it. Everywhere else, you're fi- you're fighting. You're fighting us. <laughs> it's a fair point. It's a fair point. And I think I think a lot of Newcastle fans won't like you saying this, but it's the harsh, it's the harsh reality for them. Um, but just more on the player as well. I think, like I said, it's it, this has been this might go down as one of the best the best deals that Tottenham have done in recent years, not just because of the player that we acquired, but because of the player that's been able to go the other way. Like this is a team that have notoriously struggled with moving on their dead weight. And we've been able to get 12 million for our dead weight and replace him with a homegrown player at a good age. That's actually good. <sighs> I don't, I don't, th- I don't think he'll go down. I'm, I'm very harsh on this. It probably will go down in hindsight as fantastic deal. Because I, I I rate Madison highly, um, but the, the the biggest deal I'm waiting for <laughs> is a brand new defender. <laughs> oh no no! <laughs> and without it, I, nothing will satisfy me. I, we'll I, get onto that. I'm still we'll in flex mode. We'll get onto that. Don't worry. We'll get onto that. So we're just talking about the players that we signed for now. And obviously, speaking of players that we signed, let's just get a quick word on on Vicario as well. So Guillermo, um, Gu- I watched right. his name. You said it right. Yeah, Guillermo um, Vicario, right? Because the middle, the second G is silent, right? Yeah. We signed him for seventeen point two million pounds. Twenty-six year old, um, twenty-six year old player, Italy international now recently as well. Um, six foot four. I mean, I don't really have, I don't really have a lot of negativity towards this this signing. Like, the club haven't given me like a, a, a big reason to be negative towards the signing. I think I need to see how he is. I don't know much about him. I, I've read that he's meant to be good. He's highly rated in Italy. I think the one thing that stands out for me from what I've read and listened to is that he's someone, again, who's very comfortable with the ball at his feet, wants to take risk, um, can play it not just with his stronger foot, but can play it with his weaker foot as well. And the other point, which I think they said it on the Italian football podcast about him was that he has a presence in his own box like he he has an aura in his own box and I feel like that's something we've missed right we already know that even with the shot stopping I don't need him to be an, as amazing as a, as a shot stopper as Lloris because I felt like Lloris at his best was a ridiculous shot stopper right but we needed the new goalkeeper to come in that's that comes in to, to be to be good at the things that Lloris wasn't good at, the things that was holding back Lloris from, from being in line with the modern age goalkeeper, i.e. the passing and the presence in the box, right? So if Vicario can offer us these qualities that he supposedly offered Empoli in Syria, then in theory, this could represent some good business for Tottenham. But I want to get your your thoughts on Vicario because I think you've been doing a lot more in-depth research than I have on him. I've, I've watched quite a number of games uh, that he played last season for Embley, uh thanks to the uh, BT Sports um, app because they've got extended highlights. So I've been watching quite a, a fair number of games. The first game I watched, I was concerned. I'm not going to lie to you because it was uh, Roma versus Empoli. They scored two goals from a corner. And I was like, nah, maybe he could have saved at least one of those, you know. But the the defending from the corner was whack. You know, the, the delivery of the corners was fantastic. Like, it put the goalkeeper in no man's land. Like, he couldn't actually actively come out and try and get rid of the ball because if he misses it, 
it's an open goal. And, you know, they, they went on to score, but his shot stopping was pretty decent. Um, I'm not going to say it's excellent because I think it's very hard to judge um, shot stopping excellency in the Italian league. You know, they, they're not, the Italian league, you know, the goals tend to be a lot of like cutbacks and, you know, edge of the box. There, there are some fantastic finishes in that league, but I think in the Premier League, you're more likely to get a lot of like just random shots from like random areas of the pitch. And, you know, you got to really be on your toes. His passing did surprise me. It really did. Long range, short range, no problems, left foot, right foot. Yeah, no problems with that. And I was very impressed with that. I think the sticking point for a lot of Spurs fans and a lot of fans in general is the price because it is cheap. Um, it's ridiculously cheap. However, in saying that, David Rea, or David Rea, having two years' experience in the Premier League, for me, does not warrant 40 million. There's no, like, I can't, there's nothing that can explain to me why we should pay 40 million and make him the third most expensive goalkeeper with a year left in his contract. Then I know people will be like, oh, Harry Kane's got a year left as well. I was like, all right, cool. David, David Rea has a year left on his contract. Brentford have already replaced their goalkeeper. They've already got their new goalkeeper in. Mm -hmm. And they're trying to hold out for 40 million. Other clubs would be like, all right, cool. We'll just wait. We'll wait. You get towards the end of the summer when you're like, we can't get rid of my man and he can go He can go sign a, a, a contract in January and bounce for free. Yeah? And you're still paying him his wages up to January. You're going to have to drop that. That's where I generally believe if Spurs want to really, really, really shake up the you know, the, the room. That's where I think Spurs should come in and be like, hey, we know he wants to come to us. Come in with, you know, a more respectable bid and nick him towards the end of the summer. I, I have no problems with that going down to the white. No problems whatsoever. Because if you have Vicario and David Ray on your books, I'm not saying this would happen, but if you have the two of them on your books, now you've got real competition. You know, you can pick and choose which keeper is going to work out in the league, which one's going to be more focused on the cups fight for your position, earn your right. That's what I like to see. Because Hugo, when he was younger, was a sweeper keeper. We played a high line. He used to be very, very much off his line. You know, trying clear balls that came over the top, um, intercept players that had broken through the line and were, you know, bearing down on goal. He used to play a high line. I don't know what happened in the last like two, two and a half seasons of Poch and then towards the end of like the last few years that we've had, he just stays on his line. And when he does come out, it's just a calamity. After a calamity, it's just a mess. And because the line's deeper now, there's less room for even him to even come out. So this Vicario kid, I say kid, but he's 26, which is pretty decent in, in goalkeeper years. I'm interested to see how he converts to the Premier League. One thing that I'm happy to hear is that the Italian press and Italian media have said that he's he has a commanding presence in the box. The reason why this is more important for me than anything else is because David De Gea, when he came to England, they made it very clear he did not have a commanding presence in his yeah. box. He, he suffered for the first year and a half Maybe even two years, he's really suffered. Vicario's coming to a team that's had a very bad previous season. Yeah, so the, the expectation on him is going to be probably higher, 
but less so because of the position that we're in. It's more whatever he does that's good will elevate him higher and quicker because of how bad we were last season. Mm-hmm. We got to see how he fares in the first few games. I think with um, I think with him as well, right? There's a lot. There's a lot of discourse, and it's mostly positive. Obviously, you're you're, you're right. There are some Spurs fans who who look at this as oh, Spurs just being cheap again. You you had your A grade target. Um, they they put a um an expensive price tag on your A grade target's head, and you you went for the much cheaper option, right? Um, I do think that there is an element of truth. In fact, there is a lot of truth to that with Spurs generally. But I think what I feel is different with this deal, and obviously time will tell what I feel is different with this deal, is the swiftness in which Tottenham have been able to find a replacement. And the fact that the replacement has not deviated from the number one target in terms of the characteristics that they both have, the ball playing and the commanding of their area, right? If anything, he's taller. The one thing that Spurs have struggled with over the years alongside succession planning is being able to find good alternatives, right? How, given it, giving you an example, you wanted Ruben Diaz and you get Joe Rodon. Jesus. How do those, how do those two compare in quality? How? How do those two compare in quality? They you, know what, you know what's frightening? What's actually frightening about that is you wanted Ruben Diaz. You didn't get him. You sounded out screaming. Yeah? Not like for like. People have to be brutally honest. Not like for like, but a very good alternative. Very good. Sound even, I'd say, alternative. And you script. You script. You bulked. At paying the extra piece because you wanted to get Gareth Bale in for one more season. When there was no fans in the stadium, mind you. Yeah, so you weren't generating, you know, record sales from tickets because there was no fans. They didn't get to see Bell like that. You script. The following season, manager gets sacked. Another manager comes in. He says he wants Bastoni. And this is what annoys me about Spurs. And has annoyed me for many years. If the target is saying, I don't really want to move, man. You know what I'm saying? Big man, shut up and take this extra 10 grand on top of the wages that we are originally going to offer you. You know why? Because money talks. Money always talks. It doesn't matter what your feelings are. Yeah? I don't really care. We could have easily got these players, but no, we wanted to script. So that's why every single Spurs fan that is vexed with Vicario coming over has truth in their reasoning to be vexed. They are absolutely spot on. They should be furious. But, and this is where I'm like, you guys are just being furious for furious sake. Vicario and David Rea. Take Vicario's clips, take David Reyes' clips. Have them side by side. I promise you, you'll be looking at the same talent in terms of base. Can they play with the ball on their feet? Yes. Have they got decent range of passing? Yes. Have they got decent shot stopping? Yes. Do they command their box? Might vary. How good is their reflexes? 
might vary. Yeah, these are the little things that might vary, but yeah. ultimately, the two main categories are: can they play with the ball to their feet? Yes, and is their passing range decent to good? Yes. If those two are the two parameters that another goalkeeper falls into, then that is there's no cheap or, or expensive option. It is that's the option, and these are the players that fall in line. Yeah, because yeah. we Inter for argument's sake, we know Inter Inter Milan are broke. We know they need to sell. We know this much. They could have been like, cool, Anana's on the chopping block, 30 million, which is a snip, really. I know they're not going to do that. They're probably going to request like 50 million. But let's say they said 30 million, which is a snip. Now, if we got Anana, people would be like, oh, man, you got Anana. Oh, yeah, Spurs are really doing business. Nah, these men are really bad. That guy was just in the Champions League fan. Anana's a fantastic goalkeeper. We played him. We played mm-hmm. him when he was at X. But he's a maniac. Yeah? <laughs> he's fan- he is. He's fantastic with the boys' feet. Passing range is ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. Decent shot starter, but he is a maniac. Yeah, you are one game away from conceding a madness because <laughs> of him doing a madness. Yeah, he does a madness both good and bad ways. Exactly. Yeah, but does he fall into the profile of being able to play with the ball at his feet and having yeah. good passing range? Yes, he does. So therefore, your scouting becomes more data. And a bit of eye test, yeah, as opposed to back in the day where it was Daniel right. Levy would pick a player he liked yeah. and ask the manager to work with it. That's ridiculous. Yeah, I think um I think you've made some good points, man. Uh, very salient points. And I think with with um with Vicario, I think that's the key, right? That Spurs have signed a goalkeeper that's not deviated from the profile of goalkeeper that the manager no. needs, irrespective of the price. Now, and I think from what I've read and from what I've listened to, again, like they were raving about this guy. Like on, on my on my videos, um, two separate fans, Inter Milan fan, AC Milan fan. AC Milan fan said, Vicario is the best Italian goalkeeper right now. He, they said he's, he said- Ahead of, he's ahead of Donnarumma. He said he's better. He, bro, he said, I couldn't believe it. He said, he said he's better than Donnarumma and he will cost a third of the salary. Is, yeah, he's not good with the ball to his feet. We're not going to say we're not going to say he's a freaking Edison because he's not. So uh, I'm, I, obviously, I'm not. I'm not trying to buy the prop too much. But the, the, the point I'm trying to make is that there's clearly some momentum behind this. This player. It has to be. How old, how old is Donnarumma, by the way? Donnarumma will be around. I think Young, he'll be around it? like 23, 24. I think. Let me double check. He'll be. He, he'll be younger than Vicario. He'll be younger than Vicario. He's definitely but, younger. Donnarumma is 24 and is yeah. two centimetres taller than Vicario. Yeah. Oh, so, this is so, yeah. So, so Donnarumma, so Donnarumma, um, yeah. So, obviously, I'm not going to buy into that, but I, I, I will take credence in the fact that these are people that are watching the league regularly and yeah. they say from their respective league, this guy's one of the best keepers. And it's not yeah. just one fan, it's not just two fans, it's several fans that watch my mm-hmm. shit and telling me, this guy's a good goalkeeper. Inter Milan fan said, "This is a good goalkeeper. I wanted us. Um, if we saw, if we had sold Onana this summer, I they wanted us to, to, Makes sense. to buy him basically. And then even the podcast I was listening to, they said um, that Juventus. They re- they were basically recommending Juventus, Milan, and Inter to be looking at this guy as, as someone to, to to step up. So I think it, the, the the signs are positive. However, like we said at the start." 
it's very much a case of seeing is believing. The reason why it's like, a different piece. Yeah, the, the reason why someone like David Rea, although he's overpriced, the reason why Brentford will put that price tag on his head, even though they may not be much in terms of quality and ability to do the things that we need them to do, is simply because he's already played in this league. Yeah. He's already played in this league. He's been here two years and he's homegrown. So they can say at the very least, he's a known quantity in this league, whereas Vicario isn't. So it's up to Vicario. We, teams press harder. In the prem, so his ball playing, his ball playing. You never know what could happen. Teams are more physically imposing in the Premier League. So, as commanding as he is, it's going to be a different ball game. When Ivan, obviously, he's suspended, but I'm just giving an example. Who's a who's a big physically imposing strike? Where Dominic Calvert Lewin is backing up on you. Pause. Yeah. Do you get what I'm saying? Oh, so, whoa. pause, 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 pause. I literally pause. But these are these are the these are the the challenges that he's going to need to overcome. And of course. It's not all rosy. Obviously, there's the... I've not seen it myself, but um, Spurs fans keep telling me that that his... Because when I asked, what are his weaknesses? Because I'm it's all too positive. Yeah. And they told me that he parries a lot of shots into, into dangerous situations, which gives the opposition um, chance to sort of tap the ball into the back of the net and stuff. So these are areas that he's going to need to work at. But fundamentally, when we look at the goalkeeper, the next Tottenham goalkeeper, the priority was what can they offer in possession? And yeah. when you look at the interview that he he did about how Ange spoke to his dad, about how he's worked up through the leagues and stuff, listen, if the manager, if the manager wanted him and he ticks the boxes from a data perspective in terms of what you're looking for, then we have to try and give him a, um, a chance and see what he can offer. So let's see. Let's see what he can do. Let's see what he can do. Um, let's talk about the players that are still at the club that are the subject of either interest or confirmed bids, yeah. right? Um, and then I think we'll end with the top with the talk on the centre backs. This is this, this, I guess, this will be this might be a long pod, I can't lie. We're already on 44 minutes, but um, Harry Kane in recent days, obviously, we've we've received a 70 million euro bid from Bayern Munich. Um, got rejected straight off the bat. Um, there's rumours that Bayern Munich are going to come back in again to test Tottenham's resolve of a new bid. Don't know how much that figure is going to be. I have my view on this, but I want to get your view first. Like, what was your thought on the bid? Like, do you feel like that's a bid that we should have entertained? Do you feel like we should hold out for more? Like, where do you stand here? I'm I'm at my I'm at my last wits with it, with with the whole merry-go-round with Harry Kane, you know, because he remains up until two seasons ago, he, he used to remain silent, you know, and I'm not I'm not here on the the forgiving. I know you know you have to learn to to forgive. Maybe I will over time, but I'm not here at this point on the forgiving wagon for what he did. You know, during the whole Sky Sports thing, and people, that's like, not a big deal. Like, I'm like, he he tried it, he tried it in in a subtle way, and I'm not having it, yeah, because it was disgusting. Yeah, you were at Spurs at the time. You know, I think I can't remember if we just made top four again, but um, or maybe we didn't. But you go on on Sky Sports interview with Gary Neville, and you're all doing um, maybe a bit of 100 million could prize me away. Like, I've never in the history of football that I've watched has a player ever done an interview and said, maybe this amount of money 
can help you take me away from this club. Yeah, and I'm like, nah, 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 that was day. So one thing that I think fascinates me the most about all of this Harry Kane stuff is one, he hasn't said nothing, but all the noise is that they've agreed terms with his family or his brother and father. To me, that's that means absolute nonsense. Yeah, it, it doesn't mean a damn thing because people forget how business works. You know, my my parents could be, you know, my managing agent. And the manager agent could be like, hey, we want to pay you out 100000 a month to come and uh, do what he does for this X amount of companies. Yeah, And, you know, my dad or mom could be like, hey, yeah, listen, this company has offered you this. Would you consider this if they comprise you away from said company? And my answer is going to be yes. And that's clearly, to me, What's happened here? They've gone, Bayern have gone to his brother and father and said, this is what we're going to give Kane if he comes to Germany. And Kane has replied to his father, yeah, yeah, no, I'll, I'll consider it. Why not? Yeah. So now all the um, the journalists have gone like, he's agreed terms. He doesn't agree nothing. He hasn't agreed a damn thing. He's under contract. He can't agree nothing. Yeah. He can say, yes, I would agree to it. So it's, a, it's, a, it's an agreement in it's, it's an agreement in principle. It's a mortgage in principle, yeah. Mm -hmm. And they've ran with it. That's one, which is annoying because it's just trying to cause uproar for no reason, which is annoying. But the part that's actually, and I feel like people need to really take a note of this. Spurs have said they are not. This is this has been from the top of the the summer. They're not entertaining nothing less than a hundred million. Pounds, not eighty plus add-ons, not ninety plus add-ons. Exactly what West Ham had with Arsenal. They're not entertaining it unless your first bid is one zero zero. Whatever the structure is, is between the clubs. But if your first bid is not a hundred million pounds, they're not entertaining it. So I don't understand how. United got the understanding of that and haven't bothered. Real Madrid got the understanding of that and haven't bothered. City got the understanding of that and haven't bothered. Heck, PSG got the understanding of that and haven't bothered. But Bayern Munich, who decided to talk to his brother that couldn't get a deal done two seasons ago, seemed to think they can convince Daniel Levy with £86 million. Pounds. The only way this works is if Kane comes out and says, I want to leave. Then, then bounce, bro. Bounce, like honest to God, like I, I actually dare Harry Kane to actually say, yeah, no, nah, it, it, you know, I, I want to go. Bounce, <laughs> like I, I don't give a damn. I don't give a damn, bro. You had, you had your chance to cement yourself in trophy history. You've been to enough finals, and it hasn't worked out for you. Go to Germany and, and be carried. You know, like I don't give a damn if you go over there and score thirty goals and, and win a trophy. I couldn't give a flying crap. It's not going to change my my view on him. At all, my view think, changes. My view changes on what he's capable of doing in the really big games moving forward, and I mean the genuine big games, not okay here that, and there. But that's your opinion on Harry Kane, the man. But let's talk. So, but where do you stand on Harry Kane as a transfer leaving Tottenham? Because in my head. That 70 million euro bid was derisory. I'm sorry. That was that was a work, joke. Man. That was a joke thing. 
I would much rather keep Harry Kane and lose him for nothing than sell him for 70 million euros. What does 70 million euros in, in exchange for Harry Kane do for Tottenham this upcoming you know, season? You know what's funny? You know what's actually funny? I've, I've said this before, and I think people thought I was, I was banning, yeah? But Spurs don't actually lose value in risking running down Harry Kane's contract. They never paid for him. Well, outside of wages, of course. They never paid for Harry Kane. He wasn't an actual transfer. He was a he was a upgrade from our academy. So all we've done in his tenure is pay his wages. We can legitimately say we are not going to sell you or rather run down your contract because you give us X amount of goals every single season without fail. Yeah. And they can do that. They can run the risk of keeping him for, for another 12 months because you don't know what's going to happen in the 12 months. But they can run that risk. Now, people are like, oh, just take the, the, the 86 million and, and invest it in other areas. Uh, no, we don't need the money to invest in other areas. We're not broke. We're not broke, but we do need money. No, 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 no. Let me explain. No, we do. no, we no. Do. let we me explain. Absolutely, we need money. No, no, let me, let me explain what I mean by we don't need the money. The only reason why people are on the, the, the sidelines of saying we need the money it's because of how the club is run and what the club does with some of the revenue generated, especially since we've moved to this new stadium. Spurs, if you go through the last few seasons, haven't been at a net loss. We just haven't. Now, we've also still got about 50 million sitting on company's house, yeah, willing or waiting to be withdrawn for this apparent transfer kitty that we had. The team is not going to take that 86 million and go buy you a new striker. <laughs> They've actually already got him. And he's crap. Like, he's a piece of dodo egg. They've already spent 60 million on that guy. So they're not going to go and buy you. They're not, yeah. they're not going to go and buy you a new striker. That's one. Yeah. So they that means they're not. They I, I they promise you, I promise you they sell King. They're not getting a new striker. Richarlison goes straight into that spot. Even if he does, they need to bring in another attacker. Whether it's Richarlison and some through the middle, or they'll, they'll bring, they'll bring it. They'll try and go for, attacker. they'll try and go for a young Alex Scott or something like that. But they're not bringing. If you think they're bringing a striker of some sort of credence, like that, like people will be like, oh, nah, it's not happening. They sell games. They're not doing that. What they might do is they might reinvest into the defense. But here is the problem with Spurs: you can't trust that. You know why you can't trust that? They sold Modric. They took three seasons to replace Modric. They sold Bell. They took forever to replace him. I don't even think we really did. You know what? You could argue Son. Son was technically his replacement because of the, the position that he plays. But they, again, that took like another four seasons. They sold Ericsson. It took four seasons to get somebody just like Ericsson back in the, in the position in Madison. So there will be no actual real reason for Spurs to want to sell an asset like Kane even with 12 months to go, it would make more sense for them to say, you're going to run down your contract. We're going to try and convince you to stay. And in doing so, we're going to fix the areas that we've lacked in the previous seasons. And hopefully, hopefully what the club is trying to do with running a risk is that turns Kane's head. Because if you go and get two new defenders and Dyer is no longer starting, now you're like, all right, cool. Like we're, we're building a team to actually compete again or try and compete again. We scored, what, 60, 60 plus goals this season? 
the season gone, we conceded 63. We scored more than 60. So even more. So, but we conceded 63 goals. To put into context how mad that is, Chelsea scored 38 and conceded 47. If Chelsea yeah. had our goal scoring record, they'd have probably been top four. Probably. So probably. no, I don't think I don't think it's even worth the club entertaining anything less than a crazy amount. And I understand it. I actually understand it. Do I agree with it? No, he's in his final year. Why would I agree with it? I just argued that we shouldn't pay 40 million for David Rea. So I fully agree that, you know, no club should really go out there and be like, rah, we should go and spend 100 million on Kane in his final year. I think year. he's worth it. I think but, he's worth no, it. No, no, I'm not saying, I'm not saying whether he's worth it or not. I'm saying I agree with people saying no club should be going into the market and spending 100 million on anyone that's in their final year. I don't care which the player is. It, it, it shouldn't that's be a 100 million period. Yeah, but in saying that, Spurs are well within their right to also say, hey, we'd rather run down his contract. We'd rather, yeah. we'd rather risk losing him on a free and get that apparent 25 to 30 goals again for another season than run the risk of selling him and not replacing him adequately because our history shows we don't do that. Yeah, I just think that the, the way I see it is this, right? Like... I I believe he wants to leave the club and I believe the club should look to try and sell Harry Kane for the best possible deal this summer. But there is a big emphasis on the best possible deal. Not chicken change. I'm sorry, I'm not swapping. I'm not swapping 30 league goals in the Premier League for 60... In fact, scratch that. I'm not swapping Premier League goals... Obviously, you won't agree with this statement I'm going to make, but I'm not swapping 30 Premier League goals from a bona fide world-class player, top three in his position, on the planet, with the other bells and whistles. Obviously, he didn't show it as much last year, but you know what I'm talking about, the playmaking, etc., etc. Like, I'm not swapping that for for 60, 60 million pounds. That's how much they offered us in, in did pounds. You just say, did you just say top three in his position? Yes, top three. I said it with chest. In fact, he might even be top two. He might even be top two. So who's in the fact, three? No, he's definitely top two. In the in world football right, right now, now, who I would have? Benzema. It's a small market because most of them is retired, but yeah, go ahead. Benzema, Harry Kane, and I'm taking Haaland right now. I'm taking Haaland over Lewandowski. Straight. Straight. So where's Mbappe? Think, Mbappe, I don't really class him as a nine. Mbappe is the best. Listen, Mbappe is the best. If you put him, if Mbappe was, cool. if Mbappe was classed as a nine, he'd, he'd be number one, right? Okay, I think but, I think it's fair. And you you have Kane ahead of Lewandowski because of this season, basically. Right now, yeah, he's right now. I don't think I don't think he's better. He's as good as Harry Kane. I just don't. I've seen I've seen enough. I don't think he's as good as Harry Kane. Sorry, not right now. I'm not. I, so, the only reason I wouldn't actually, I I, I wouldn't say he's top two, but. Top three, I wouldn't really argue with it on the basis of there's not that many nines, tens, whatever you want to call his position, but there's not many nines right now, and he does deliver a lot of goals. So there's absolutely, you can't even deny the man the amount of goals. What he did last season in terms of scoring, even though I thought it was pretty selfish, whatever, yeah, but he scored 30 goals. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And I think I think the other stuff he brings to the, to, to the team as well, he does that much better than much better than Lewandowski. I think the only striker in world football that does that better than Harry Kane is Benzema. 
That's Benzema's game. That's his bread and butter. He's that's, been doing that's, it. That's his bread and, exactly. That's it, exactly. That's his bread and butter. So, so for me, you're getting an all-encompassing striker. You're getting a complete striker in the peak of his powers, and you're only offering me sixty. I just seen the same club buy the licked. The Ligt stunk at Juve for two seasons straight and they bought the Ligt for 80 million euros. Did they buy it for 80 million? 80 million euros, bro. In total, put total package bill, 80, 80 million euros. They've just they've just received 50 million euros from Lucas Hernandez, who's heading to PSG. You're willing That's to now... Commit, got, um, Kim. Kim, you're willing to spend 50 million euros on Kim, but you won't pay the money that we that that we are rightly asking for. Harry Kane missed me with that. Sorry. Yeah, yeah that's I'm what all, I'm saying. It's got to be I'm astronomical. All, I'm, this is what I'm saying. I'm all for selling Harry Kane this summer, and I think the club actively should look to to move on Harry Kane this summer, as opposed to losing him on the free. Because I think it's it's much harder to replace Harry Kane, Harry Kane with no money in your pocket versus versus replacing Harry Kane with ninety to hundred million pounds in your pocket. But I, I'm sorry. I, I don't, you know, and uh, let me let me explain why I don't. I know what you're saying, and I do agree on the terms of money transfer and all of that stuff. That part you're one hundred percent right on. In terms of, let's say we got a hundred million bung, it's easier to take that hundred million bung and go bow. You know, we're just gonna go find two strikers or whatever it is, yeah. But I disagree slightly on the basis of this. Spurs could spend another sixty million right now. At a loss on just two centre backs. Yeah. Now, obviously, I'm overpricing here, but um, stick with me here. So, 60 million at a loss on just two centre backs. Two centre backs that should make the the back line now have three centre backs that you can consider starters, out and out starters, or can be rotated. Then you've got Madison already in. You'd have to shift a lot of dead weight because remember, I put in the group what our, our bench would look like. And it stinks. Yeah. But we've got no European football this season. And I personally think, yeah, as a club, this is the one and only season in Kane's entire tenure that you can say to the team and Kane, run yourself into the damn ground. Because you've only got one game a week, effectively. You know, you might have a cup game on a weekend here and there, but essentially you've only got one game a week. Run this game into the ground. Come January now, you assess where you are. You look at it. If, if we're looking the same like we are now, crazy hickey, in January you say, you know what, we're not even going to risk losing you on a free um, in six months. We're going to let a club come in and, and actually buy you right now in January. Yeah. And you can either go now or go in the summer, whatever way it works for us. And we'll even, do you know, I'd even take a reduced price. I wouldn't even take the hundred million. I'll take like a, a small, a, a young, a young seven, 75 plus adults. But no one's good. The, the problem is, the, the problem is if you do that in January, that's why for me, it's, it's either we sell him. It's for me, there's, it's, it's pretty simple. I want us to sell him this summer because he wants to stay. I mean, he wants to leave, but if Has he said him, he wants to leave, I think he wants to leave, man. Come on, he if okay, he if he didn't if he didn't want to leave, why has he not? Why is he, why is he not signing any deal yet? What's he waiting? Oh no no no! What does, think, what does he think is going to change between now and next season? I couldn't tell you, but I'll tell you this right now. Yeah, the reason why I wouldn't sign a new contract right now with twelve months to go is because, bruv, when my contract is up and I'm a free agent, oh 
my God, my request can be mad. Yeah, he's actually in a very strong position. Like, I could sit here and be like, I don't want to lease first. Yeah, but come 12 months from now when I'm a free agent and they want to re-sign me, they want to re-bring me back to the lane, I'll be like, yeah, I, I want 400 bags. And if you're not giving me that, don't worry. Somebody will. Somebody will, because they won't, they won't have to pay no sign-off. They won't have to pay no transfer or anything like that. So somebody's going to offer me the piece. He's, a, he's, yeah. actually in the, he's actually in the best financial position right now to say, is, yeah. I don't mind staying at Spurs for another 12 months. He's laughing. That's why, no, he that's why I'm like, it's really making me laugh. Because I'm like, I reckon if he had two years, he would say he'd want to leave. If he had two years, still on his contract, I think he comes out and says, I want to leave. The, the the reason for me, I, I I think he wants to leave because he's not he's not signed, and I, I'm not saying that him not signing is 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 him. Basically, he knows that if, like you said, he knows that if he runs down his contract, right, he he is more likely to find the clubs that he would like to go to, and they'll be willing to pay him all sorts of wages per week because they won't have to pay anything in transfer fees, right? That part I get. So I'm looking at it from a club perspective. As much as I love Harry Kane, and you know how much I love Harry Kane, like I'm how looking at him. I'm not going to listen. No, no. Yeah, listen. Tell, tell all I'm people. saying, is, bruh, don't, don't sidetrack. No, 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 don't sidetrack me. But the the point I'm making is this, right? As I said, I think losing a player of that caliber is it's much more difficult. It's much more difficult with no money received from him versus versus hefty money received from him. Um, and I think we just need to find that balancing act. It's either we sell him for big money this summer, big money meaning anything 100 million, 100 million pounds or more to a British club, that's not Chelsea, that's not Arsenal, or we sell him abroad to a club like Bayern Munich or Real Madrid and you take 90 million pounds, right? The fact of the matter is... I. It can't be 60 million. I'm gonna need at least at least 25 to 30 million on top of that, big man. That's what I'm gonna need. Because no clubs if we don't none. Well, if we don't get that, then fine. We'll keep we'll keep him. I'm not mad at Harry Kane. You think I'm gonna you think I'm gonna complain at Harry Kane staying for another year? No, I'm not mad. I'm just looking at what's best for the club in terms of replacing him, moving on from Harry Kane, right? But ultimately, it's not my money. I don't really care too tough, yeah. right? If he stays, fantastic. I, that, that, that's one more year of Harry Kane. But I just feel like Bayern coming in with 70 million euros, don't joke with that one. Because his 30, his 30 league goals, plus the goals in cup competitions, plus the all-round playmaking and et cetera, et cetera, that, is, that means that, that's worth more to, to me personally than 60 million pounds. So yeah, yeah. That's where I stand with the Harry Kane position. And if Bayern really want him, show us you want him. They yeah. wanted Declan Rice. They were willing to pay 90 million for Declan Rice, apparently. Really? Is that, was that true? Uh, nah, I don't think it is true. It's not it's true. Rumors. But it's just rumours. But listen, they wanted Declan Rice and they knew how much Declan Rice would cost. They want Harry Kane. They know how much Harry Kane would cost. Stop faffing cool. about and give us our money. Simple. Um, let's finish off on let's finish off on the centre back. We'll talk on the centre backs first, and then we'll talk on Hoybier, right? Cool. Because I, I, I'm pretty sure I know where you stand, but I'm going to give my opinion first. I'm sorry, this window will be capped. This win I don't care what we do in the other positions. This window will be capped 
at a maximum of five out of ten if Spurs do not sign two centre backs this 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 summer. I don't care. I don't care. You could sign Messi at right wing. I don't care. If Tottenham do not sign two centre backs that are of a good standard, and when I say good standard, I mean comfortable with the ball, comfortable playing a high line, reasonably young age, and strong enough to to compete physically in the air and on the ground. If Tottenham do not bring two centre-backs of that ilk and calibre and characteristics to the club this summer, I can't give this transfer window more than a 5 out of 10 because I've had enough. I've had enough. We've signed one permanent centre-back in three years. I've had enough. If I have to see the club call upon the likes of Sanchez for one more season, the likes of Dyer for one more season, we still haven't sold Joe Rodon. Nobody knows where he is. Tanganga's just chilling there, collecting money, not being played. Sell. If I see no two centre-backs come into the club this summer and I still see these guys around, sorry, I, I, I can't give it, I can't give it a strong rating. Don't care about Madison. Don't care about Vicario. Sorry. The rating can't be high. We need to bring in new centre-backs. It's a must. We're trying to change the way we're playing. We want to play a more aggressive style. We want to play higher up the pitch. The centre-backs that we have all but, with, with exception of one who was who's come off a bad season, with exception of one who's come off a bad season, the rest cannot play to this style. So what are we waiting for? They've promised us this for two for a year now. They said last summer you're getting two. Oh, we're gonna sign two two new centre backs and we get Longley. Nah, man. Nah, 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 nah. Fool me once. Shame on you. Fool me twice. Shame on me. And I'm not gonna be fooled twice. Not this summer. No. Um. The, as it currently stands right now, the the transfer window is at a three out of ten. And it will remain a three out of ten till I see two centre backs. Because I'll tell you what, this new season, there is no way on God's green earth Eric Dyer can be considered a starter. No way. I don't care how the outgoings go. I don't care if there's a case of, you know, they need to loan players to so that I couldn't give a flying crap how they do it. But Eric Dyer better be the fourth option. He's, he's I, I, because I know he doesn't want to leave. And he's got like a year left. I want him gone. I want him gone. He ain't going nowhere. That brother ain't going nowhere because he knows ain't nobody offering him what we offer him already. So he's staying. Eric Dyer can be the fourth option. Yeah. And the reason why he can be the fourth option, because essentially you could be like, all right, Romero, you're probably tired. New centre-back one, new centre-back two, you're starting. Eric Dyer doesn't need to touch the pitch. Worst case scenario, new centre-back, Eric Dyer, worst, worst case scenario. But you've got many alternatives to avoid having him touch the pitch. Many. We can't have, hold on, I, real talk, I don't know where that brother is, yeah? And I know Ange has started pre-season, he's in the office, like, officially from, officially from tomorrow is his, like, legitimate start date, but he's already started, as, you know, a lot of, like, podcasts have been saying, he's already started his work. Ange? AKA Postman, listen, that nickname is sick, but it can go one or two ways. <laughs> it could be could be a name that you will come to love for the rest of your life, or it could be a name that could be the biggest downfall of your life because 
a postman's essential job is to deliver. And big man, we need you to deliver because if you don't, you won't be called postman. You'll be called every. And them man don't deliver at all. They don't even deliver at time. You think though with, with him, whilst he needs to do what he can do in his own remit as a manager, for me, the onus is more on the club to give him the players that he needs. Well, so far, they've given him a ball-playing goalkeeper. We're not going to sit here and, and say that he's not because that's exactly what he is. That's what his remit he is. is. He, is. he called himself an attacking goalkeeper. An attacking goalkeeper. So they've yeah. given him that. They've given him Madison. Yeah. yeah. He needs two centre-backs. I don't know if he's told them he needs two centre-backs, but we are telling him, you <laughs> big man... You need two centre-backs, yeah? There's, this is not often negotiation, yeah? Don't come with, be like, yeah, now we can get one and survive. It's not one and survive, bruv. Go get two. I've, obviously, we've been linked with Mickey and Tatsoba. It's a non-starter. Get both, yeah? I'm not trying to hear we're going to get Mickey and ride out the sun. Pause, yeah? We ain't doing none of that. Go and get the two of them. 57 million, what, 60 million for the two. Make it happen, bruv. Go and make that happen. I don't care how you go. Even if you have to send, I don't, I don't know, send Perisic to the Saudi Arabia mandem for a, a young, a young twenty million. Whatever you have to do to raise that piece, raise it and get those two centre backs in. Because there's no way, there's no way on God's green earth. Yeah, that man like Rodon, Tanganga, Dyer can survive this high line. They can't. We we all saw, well, I didn't because I wasn't watching that game, but we all know what happened when we went to Newcastle and played the Highline. We got pimpanned. We got beaten like we've never been beaten before. Impossible. You can't trust these men. I don't want to hear, you know, people be like, oh, but that has been used by other managers. He's been used because that's all we have. That is all we have. You know how bad our defence is? Romero is the number one option. Now, no offence to Romero. I think he's a decent defender. But Jesus Christ of Nazareth, that brother cannot be your number one option. Because you will never, you will never, and I mean the worst, never win anything if he's your number one option. He's not that guy. He's just he's a good. decent, good defender. But he's not generational. He's not transforming your defensive line. He's not a general. We need a leader. He needs a partner, and he needs a, he needs someone to he needs someone to lead as well. Yeah, he needs he needs someone to lead. I just think, yeah, man. I, I think we'll end the discourse on the centre backs there, but it's clear what the club need to do this summer. They they damn well keep mentioning it every single time. The club are obviously linked with Tapsoba, linked with Van der Ven, two guys who, from a profile perspective, from what I've seen, fit what we would like. Um, yeah. Both quite tall. Both comfortable playing with the ball, um, both dynamic, um, not slow. Do you get what I'm saying? So I feel like, even though I've not, I've never even watched the game of Van der Ven, um, and I've barely watched Tapsoba. I'm just loot just off what I'm reading. Yeah. They seem to, they seem to tick some boxes. Obviously, we need to watch the tapes. I will try and watch some tapes, but if they're good and they're young at this point. I'm just bring them, man, because I'm yeah. I'm sick of this shit, man. Stop I'm sick of this shit. So um let's talk on Hoybia before we end this, man. Let's 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 try and keep this one brief and let's talk on Hoybia because obviously he's the subject of interest from 
Atletico Madrid. Um, no official bid has been made yet, but Hoybier would be open to to joining Atletico Madrid and Atletico Madrid would be open to paying for um, Pierre-Emil Hoybier. Um, Atletico Madrid have been quite active in terms of taking like unwanted Spurs players in recent years. When I remember 22 million for Trippier took Reguilon on loan. Obviously that didn't really work out this season. And they took Doherty on a, on a free, on a free transfer after we terminated his contract. But Hoybier, it's time to go, man. It's time to go. And I know you're going to destroy him right now, but let me give my nicer view on it. And I'm going to reiterate this. I do not think Pierre-Emil Hoybier is a shocking footballer. I don't. Right? I don't think he's... I don't think he's the worst player in our squad. However, however... He's just not good enough. And when you even factor in the amount of football he plays, it does not befit someone with his limited skill set. I'm tired of it. 28 years old, two years left in his deal. He's not good enough to warrant a new deal. So why are we keeping him around? Sell him. Sell him. If you can replace him this summer, replace him. I think, I feel, I feel like we need, on top of Madison, we need one more in there, preferably an eight or a six. Probably a six, right? But I feel like that's probably giving the club a bit too much to do this summer. But even if they weren't able to bring in a replacement this summer, at the very least, there should be a priority to move him on. Not just because of the age and the the, the contract running down, but because he just isn't that good enough to warrant the amount of game time that he gets. And I think the last point I wanted to make on this, and I literally had it off the top of my head, for some reason, I've forgotten it. It's really irking me that I've forgotten it. Um, I've forgotten it. I've forgotten my my last reason. But yeah, he just needs to go, man. He needs to go. He needs to go. He needs to go. When I remember it, I'll, I'll mention it. But he needs to go. So I'm gonna let I'm gonna let you speak on Hoybier because this is your your favorite topic. Pierre Emil Hoybier. Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is... In fact, before you go, before you go, sorry, I've just remembered what I, what my last point. My last point is, my last point is, he's probably one of the few, when you look at the list of players that we were trying to get rid of, I would say that he's one of the few that can actually retain some decent value. I think, I don't think, I think we'd get more for Hobia than any other player that we've got um, on the chopping block at the moment. Genuinely. Okay. Yeah. I have said a lot of harsh things about him. I've told him to, you know, make his way to the top of the stairs. I've called him a steward. I've called him a Chinese source. I've told you that he just points uh, like he's asking for a bus. I have really insulted this guy. And I don't apologize for a damn thing that I've said. Because Mm -hmm. let me tell you this right now. I generally think he talks a fantastic game, a great game. Yeah, He understands the game very well. I think that he, when he retires, could possibly be a good, maybe decent level coach. You know, I don't know if he wants to go into managerial stuff, but he could be good in that walk of life. But as far as playing the sport is concerned, when he was at Southampton, I didn't watch enough of him. 
I knew he was their main guy along with uh, uh, Romeo. Um, and I was like, and right, cool. you know, and, and it looked like, you know, we might be getting a sound ball winning break up defensive midfielder, which we were, we were crying for. We were desperate for. And especially after the first six months with uh, Jose Mourinho, it looked like we, we'd stolen the march. I was like, yo, you know, we might have nicked something here. And he picked up a few injuries, you know, here and there. But when it turned ugly, my God, did it never return to what we saw in the beginning. It didn't even come close. And what infuriated me the most about it is his inability to engage opponents. It was frightening. Not only in the six, but also when he got pushed further up into the eight row. I don't give a damn about his forward passing. And some of the assists that he achieved for us were great. They were fantastic. They were some real talented passing in the final third. But what he was doing on the defensive end, especially for his position and what his remit was, was unforgivable. Unforgivable. The guy would get run past by everybody. And I saw somebody say on Twitter, nobody attacked us through the middle. Whoever that Twitter person is, whoever that handle is, slap yourself in the face. You don't watch football. You you merely dream it. You don't you don't watch the game. Yeah, I saw um, Harry Brooks or whatever give a raving review for Crazy. for Hoiberg. again. Slap yourself in the face. Now, I'm calling out names now. Slap yourself in the face because you don't know what the hell you're talking about. I don't understand how you can watch a guy get run past, literally swinging his arms like this to try and he can't even foul right. I think I've said this on a on a previous podcast where he got absolutely blown by, pause, by Marcus Edwards, yeah? Tries to foul the guy while while falling, had two bites at the cherry and still didn't do it. And it led to a goal. And that happened countless amount of times throughout the season. I've heard people say he's a leader. If that's your leader, my friend, please delete it. A leader by default, leads by example. It's there for everyone to see. You don't have to be the greatest. That's an actual fact. You don't have to be the greatest on the team. But if you are a genuine leader, it just shows. It shows on the pitch. This guy has played every single minute under the sun. He's probably burnt out. He probably is. But what we've seen, regardless of him being burnt out, is beyond disgusting. And people are like, oh, but every manager has used him. Similar to Dial, what's the alternative? What is the actual alternative? What did we actually have in our club that was the alternative? I'll tell you what happened. When we had no choice but to actually drop Pierre to the actual bench or rest him, we put in two kids or two young, young players in Saar and Skip. And outside of our defensive frailties at, at the, the San Siro, Scott, uh, Skip and Saw, I thought they had a very good game. I felt like they, they bossed it on. They, they didn't get dominated in one bit in that midfield. I felt they, they put Tonali in a spliff. They did. In the back end of the season, when we had Basuma and um, Skip, I think Saw played uh, one or two games as well. And Hoiberg was getting less minutes. I think he, he picked up one or two nuts. Despite mm-hmm. the fact that Basuma was clearly, clearly not match fit. Again, we looked far more assured. 
far better. So there is no caveat for why this guy got the minutes that he got, other than we didn't actually have much alternative. Or the manager, i.e. Conte in this question, believed in him more and than Nuno. he should. Yeah, Nuno, Nuno was the same. Yeah, but they believed they believed in him more than he, than they needed to. The 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 funny thing is, where I will defend Hoybeck in recent times is that Conte got given ten bodies, and quite a few of those were midfielders, and he just yeah. didn't rotate. He didn't he didn't use nobody correctly. He he absolutely he gave everybody help, and that also helped in the decline of Hoybeck. Do I think he's Atletico type level? No, I don't. That's my personal opinion. Do I think he will suit Simeone's system? He probably will because it's a quite defensive system. However, what I will say to combat that is he's been in a defensive team for the last two years and we still managed to concede 63 goals. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't tell you how good he's going to work in the Simeone system, but what I could tell you is this. Whatever Atletico offer us, take it. Don't Freaking negotiate. If they offer us five plus ten, take it. If they offer us six plus four, take it. If they offer us one million plus an athletic t-shirt, take it. Whatever the offer is, take it. Because I do not want to see Pierre, Emil, Hoiberg ever again in White Hart Lane. I don't want to see him in North London. I don't want to see him in London. I don't want to see him in England. I don't want to see him anywhere. In fact, I don't even want to see him on the face of this planet. Delete him. Absolutely delete him. You're pointing little piece of crap. How dare you? How dare you put on my shirt, my team shirt, and deliver that nonsense for the past season? May you never, never, my friend, (laughs) never kick a ball in this country again. Because if I... (laughs) In my ends, it's gonna be GBH. It's gonna be GBH. <laughs> listen, man, Hobia is not the guy who you listen, Hobia, you're right on a lot of things, but I still don't think this guy's a shit player, man. But that being said, it's time to go, man. It's time to go. I think I think the biggest facade with Hobia is that he's good defensively, right? I felt in my opinion, I felt like when Ben when he's playing alongside when he's played alongside Bentico, I think in this in Conte's first season, the second half of it, he was really good, in my opinion. But I felt like that was because Benton Cole was there supporting him, anchoring him. And I felt in the first, in, in Jose's second season, in Jose's second season, I felt that he was, um, second season? Yeah, Jose's second season when he first joined and he was playing as, as, as the six. I felt the first six, seven months, he was fantastic. I thought he was fantastic, but... It's just too volatile, man. And he gets bypassed. He gets sold easily. For someone who speaks so well off the pitch and knows how to properly assess the game, be honest, be blunt, give the right interviews, I really like this guy's personality off the pitch. But when he gets on the pitch, it's too volatile. It is too volatile. So for that reason and that reason only, it's time to go, man. It's time to go. But listen, Yao, thank you for sparing your time. We've definitely gone into extra time, but this has been a fantastic pod. I've really enjoyed it. I think we've had a lot of good chat here on the new players and and some of the existing players. I guess we're just going to have to see how the transfer window pans out. 
But um, we will be back here next week. For those who are who are listening, make sure you follow us. One word on Instagram and Twitter, New Spurs Order. Um, make sure you're following the main Twitter and Instagram handle for Touchline as well, Touchline Fracker, one word. But until then, bro, take care. And um, I'm going to up. On debut, Tungue Ondombele has scored the equaliser for Spurs. Lucas Moura clips it. Oh, great goal! Stephen Bergwijn has arrived in North London! That is absolutely incredible on debut! Oh, yay! Sports Social Podcast Network.